Welcome to Global Nomad Hacks. My name is Dr. Heidi Forbes Oste, and today I am so excited to introduce to you Debbie Archangelis, who is the host of the Off Beaten Track. She has been doing this great show and connecting the community of digital nomads, particularly millennials, over the last couple of years. And she's got all kinds of things to share with us, which I think will be a wealth of knowledge for those of you global nomads out there. So welcome, Debbie. Hey, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited to speak with you. So we met recently at the New Media Summit and uh, just a fun, great event for podcasters to connect with each other and for people who have interesting stories to connect with podcasters. I loved hearing your background, but can you share a little bit with our guests so they can get to know who you are and how you got to be working with the Offbeaten Track? Yeah, absolutely. So like Heidi said, my name is Debbie, and I am a remote entrepreneur and the host of the Offbeat Life podcast, where I interview individuals who are living the location-independent lifestyle, remote work lifestyle, and I love helping people turn really their hobbies into a profitable business. It's so cool, and it's such an important and vital conversation to have today, and it's not just for people who've been doing this for a while. But right now, as we're all experiencing the quarantine, whether it's self-quarantine or whether you're actually in one of these areas like we are where we're shelter in place, we're not sure how long this is going to go on, but it really means it's changing the way that people connect and work. And for entrepreneurs, it's a vital skill for them to understand how it works and how to really do it with maintaining a real connection, not just a, you know, just reaching out where you're spamming people, but where you're really creating connections that last over a career and a lifetime. Can you share some of your favorite tips that you give to your audience and and that you may have learned from some of your guests? Absolutely. So a lot of times people want to do the remote style lifestyle. And now, unfortunately, it's become a necessity and not necessarily a want or a luxury. But really, the main thing that I always tell people is first understand what remote work is really about what being a digital nomad is. Now, I always say that there's a difference between a digital nomad and a remote worker. So being a digital nomad means that you're constantly traveling And maybe you want to see a place here for a few months or even a few weeks, and then you move on to a different place. So that's definitely a different lifestyle than a remote worker. I mean, obviously, you're also a remote worker when you're a digital nomad. But a remote worker, or as I call them, location-independent people, you can literally work and live from anywhere, which means you can stay in New York, in California for all day, every day, for every day of your life, but you're working from home. So understand what is best for you. And also if it's the right lifestyle for you, as many of you listening to this probably can understand that it's not as easy as it seems. And it's not as glamorous as you think it is. And it really takes a lot of practice, you have to be really dedicated and motivated, because there's going to be a lot of distraction. (laughs) when you're working on your own. So really understanding this lifestyle, and I'm pretty sure a lot of you is understanding that right now, which is pretty crazy to me. (laughs) It totally is. I mean, you know, a lot of people have been reaching out to me. And one of the things that I love about our podcasting community is that 
because we're all so familiar with the working from home or working remotely, that you know, there's just been a lot of sharing. It's really all been about like, how can we help people connect better? How can we help people learn the boundaries between work and life so that it doesn't take over their lives and they make sure they have downtime? You know, there's a lot of different, really challenging things. It's not just the technology to get you set up. It's really understanding how does it work in terms of getting the stuff done that you need to get done and then being done and going doing something else that doesn't uh, interfere. What are some of the things that you do personally in order to make sure that that happens? I really make sure that there's a schedule that I set for myself because it can be really easy to just be like, well, I'm going to wake up late and then I'll get this work done later on. And then before you know it, you've watched like 10 hours of Netflix and (laughs) you haven't gotten anything done. So what I usually like to do is create a morning routine for myself, a set time for when I wake up, what I do in the morning, whether it's working out, doing my breakfast, and then setting a time when I actually need to start working. And then giving myself maybe five, 10 minutes in between work to really stop and take a break. Because if you just keep going, you'll start burning out and that's not something that you want. And also in the middle of the day, I like to take a longer break, maybe an hour to do a walk or be on social media because, you know, we want to do that or watch a show so that I feel like I'm not missing out on something and also not be in work all day, every day, because that's definitely happened to me. And that's one of the things that I really learned is to break up your day and to really also enjoy the outdoors because you don't want to be inside all the time because it really, you know, it'll really get to you as you all know, Mm -hmm. with, you know, quarantining ourselves, but it really helps. It really helps when you do that. That's really great. I mean, do you obviously with your work, and the whole topic and theme of your work, you have the opportunity to be able to pick up and go, you know, experience other places. What are some of the places that you have found are the easiest to bring your digital nomad lifestyle too? And are there places or experiences where it maybe doesn't work so well? Because I think that sometimes can be a challenge. For example, simple things like not having the right bandwidth to be able to connect and things like that. Are there places that you have found are good places to bring your work and other places that are not that you could talk about? Yeah, absolutely. So most of the time, I'm usually based either in New York City or in Florida. So thank goodness, in pretty much all over the United States, we're going to have really good internet. So the first thing that you need to do is obviously research the place that you're going to be in to make sure that they have enough bandwidth for you. There's a Wi-Fi internet system there because otherwise, you're not going to get anything done. So, I mean, there's places in Asia, which is, you know, like little towns that sometimes it's just not really good for that, even in South America. But honestly, right now, because of the world that we live in, we're so lucky. I mean, even in these dire times, like we're so lucky because can you imagine this happening even 10, 20 years ago, everyone like there would be a huge economic collapse. But because we have this lifestyle, you know, everything is pretty much almost everything is digital, like you can really have a lot of places to be able to work in. And you'll be fine as long as you can focus. I think now it's not even like the Wi Fi in most, uh, most cases, it's just your focus. 
if you can actually focus while you're working. I think that's such an important point because a lot of us do focus on, okay, do we have the bandwidth to get it done? And we've been talking a lot in our household because now we have, my husband and I have been working from home and now my son is working for him doing some digital work and my our daughter is home doing her school work. So there's a lot of demand on the bandwidth that's coming into the house. And so a lot of the conversation is when is it necessary to be on so that you make sure that you're allowing for the bandwidth for others when it's absolutely critical. So for example, while I'm doing my podcasting, they're not allowed to stream movies, things like that. But it's also just being very conscious of like, that makes me schedule and make, you know, makes me be very clear with, okay, I need the bandwidth right now. And so what do they do then? They do the coursework that they can do, or they do the work that they can do that doesn't require being, you know, streaming and being online. But I think that just that whole idea of, you know, creating those time slots so that you can take the time off, but also separate from it. And when you're moving around, finding places where you can be super connected. I mean, we live in Northern California, definitely great connections for internet for the most part. But I've even found that, you know, when you're in a bigger house, for example, you need to find ways, you know, if you're trying to be in the quiet part of the house, that may not be the closest to the router. So sometimes you have to actually pull the old Ethernet cord, you know, (laughs) get, I I think I bought one that was like, it was like 200 feet long or whatever. And I extended it all the way from the router into my office so I could have a direct connection and not be on Wi-Fi. And you know, sometimes having that direct connection and not relying on Wi-Fi is what's needed in order to get the work you need to get done. So I think, you know, it's interesting to see sort of what kind of patterns we create when we're working remotely or working, whether it's remotely or whether we're working online. Have you had some interesting stories or interviews from people that are sort of either hesitant or resistant to the technology? And sort of, you know, they had the desire to, you know, to be remote or to be the digital nomad, but are scared of the technology or not really sure how it works. Or is everybody comfortable with it as far as you've seen? Yeah, so I have actually interviewed a few people that sometimes it wasn't their choice to be a remote worker. And maybe they got laid off and then the client that they had found was in a different state or even a different country. So they had to learn the technology to do it. So that's another thing that we also have to be conscious about. Sometimes you have no choice, like, and you really have to kind of figure out a way to navigate yourself in this new time and this new technology. And in the beginning, for the most part, everyone that I've interviewed, and even myself, like, it's a scary thing, right? Because whenever it's something that you're unfamiliar with, there's always a fear there or uncertainty and you don't know what's going to happen. What if I screw up with this? What if my client doesn't like this? What if my internet doesn't work? You know, we all know this, but at the end of the day, you just keep getting better at it. And I think that's really what most of the people that I've interviewed have learned is that yes, you may screw up in the beginning, but then you get better at it and you you know, you do those little tweaks, and it all works out in the end, as long as you're just persistent with it. That's a great, great point. And it's just persistence and patience, a lot of it. Now, before in the green room, we're talking a little bit about sort of the difference in our audience. And yet there's so much overlap, because particularly right now, because everybody, there's sort of the, the reluctant digital nomads that 
And sometimes it's basically, you know, you're like you, you've moved your office down to Florida to, to be able to get a little more social distancing in this current climate. But there's still when, you know, with my group, I, I have these families that, you know, they may be moving around and constantly shifting to different countries, different places to, and they have to sort of keep the continuity in their work or in their school and or in, in their, their friends and their, their family and the, the connection there. What are some of the tools that you found have been really helpful in terms of connection that's more the social connection? Obviously, there's social media. What are some of the things that, that you have found, whether it's a particular social media or a particular method of using social media that feel like a really, you know, connection with integrity, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. So right now, especially, I mean, my family and I are really, really close. Like we see each other almost every week. So this has really been hard for me. But right now, what we usually do when we can't see each other is we use FaceTime Messenger and they have the videos there and everybody gets in together. So it's pretty funny because I think you can do up to eight people there. So if you have a lot of friends, a lot of family, that's a really great way to do it. There's also Skype. There's Zoom. This is all free, but I think Zoom, it's only allowed like two people or four people at a time. I'm not exactly sure. But Facebook, I think, is really great with their instant messenger. And you can do videos there. You can do as many as eight people. So that's what I use personally when I want to see friends and family who are very far away. What In terms of business, when it, it comes to like conferencing, I use Zoom and Skype for that as well. Mm -hmm. I had a fun experience, and I think you may have even popped on at some point, but I have been very resistant to video. And I mean, I I freely admit that it's just it's one of those things I wake up and it's like, oh, bad hair day. It's like I have every <laughs> excuse in the world not to do video, at least in my own head. Right. And the other day we were talking in our house about you know, all the people that are stuck in the city that can't get out they're you know, they're in quarantine, they're, you know, tr trying to practice this uh, social distancing, whatever, but they don't have access to nature. And since we live in this beautiful area, and it's easy for me to get someplace where it's where social distancing is easy, but there's also nature, I decided, okay, I'm just going to bite the bullet. And I did a Facebook live from the beach. And I just I took my dog for a walk. And I basically just streamed my walk and I chatted a little bit and I showed the beach. And it was such a beautiful experience for me. I have to say it was the most, it was the biggest oxytocin kick because people were popping on from all over the world and from different stages in my life. I mean, that's the nature of Facebook. You have these connections of people that you went to middle school with and people that you, you know, that you've come across at different conferences and people that you've worked with 20 years ago, and they were all coming on and saying, Oh, my God, this feels thank you so much for sharing this. I really need it. I mean, I had a friend coming in from Yugoslavia, former Yugoslavia, I had a friend coming in from Poland, I had a friend coming in from Hawaii, all at the same time, people were like across the globe, all popping on to just say hi. And I thought I was doing it for them. But it was such a kick for me. And yeah, and that was my first experience with Facebook Live. I mean, I, I'm sure there are other tools out there that maybe the younger generation are using, or maybe they're using that too. I don't know. I mean, my kids are like, Facebook's for adults. It's for the parents. 
<laughs> you can also do live videos on Instagram and then Facebook Live is really great. What I've been having really fun with lately is TikTok. I think it's awesome. I mean, that's, you know, it's just really fun, especially in this time where it's just everything in the news is just really horrible. TikTok is just, you have fun, you watch really funny things, you dance, like it takes you out of what's happening right now. And I think that's why a lot of people have been really tuned into this social app. If you haven't already, Heidi, try it. I think you'll have I fun. <laughs> have, I got banned from it by my children. They told me, oh, that no. they were like, that's not an app for moms. Get off of there. I was like, okay, fair enough. I'll give you your space. <laughs> Aww, I so funny. know. I thought Maybe it would be fun, but I'm sure it would have been fun. I try to respect their space and um, they can do their TikTok and I'll do my Facebook Live. And, you know, I know their voyeurs on mine too because I see them you know, clicking like on there. I'm like, I know you've been on there. You're making sure that I'm not saying anything about you or posting pictures of you. <laughs> it's all compromise. There you go. <laughs> it, it definitely is. To, to get back to the subject of what we what we um, we're talking about. So global nomads and digital nomads, a lot of similarities there. A lot of them are uh, particularly now, you know, one of the conversations that we had particularly at this podcasting event, was a lot of entrepreneurs really relied on events, and those events are no longer happening. And whether it's, you know, you're a road warrior that travels a lot for work, or you're just a, always a digital nomad or an entrepreneur, not being able to reach your audience and not being able to do the work that is your income stream can be really challenging. What are some of the things that you have come across that might be interesting practices for people to look at or things that they might want to learn in order to survive during this time in their yeah. career? I mean, specifically because there, there are a lot of conferences or all of the conferences have been, it's just ended, it's rescheduled, whatever it is. I mean, I think the best thing that we see right now is those virtual ones. You know, I think you could still reach the same people, but obviously you're keeping everyone safe. And then also making sure that you're diversifying your income. It's really tough right now. And this is really, I would like to say that this is a way for us to really have a wake up call and also realize that in times like this, we really have to do that. We really have to diversify the way we're creating income for ourselves. And this may be what we need. You know, this is how we're going to be seeing how resilient we are as entrepreneurs, as workers, and what we're going to be able to do. And it's just going to make us stronger in the long run, you know, as individuals, as a business. So I think I also want to think about this in a different way, in a different light, and just thinking outside of the box, what else can you do to make your business better, to make yourself better in times like this? So I mean, just really opening up your mind I've definitely tried to do that lately because there are certain things that before I would have been like, no, I don't want to do that. But now it's like, okay, well, I have no choice. Can I do this, this, and this? Like, what's my plan B, C, D, E, F, G to Z, you know? So I think it's just opening up your mind more to new possibilities, really making sure that you're still reaching your audience. I know everyone is at a panic right now, but this is actually the time when they need you the most. Keep creating those content, keep trying to reach your audience because this is really when 
they need somebody to give them some positivity even because mm-hmm. there's so much negativity in the world. And I think this is really when we need all of you. <laughs> so true. And I think I had a, a great conversation on my other podcast, Evolving Digital Self, with one of our other podcasters, Devi Adea. And one of the things that we were talking about is the uh, the value of this as a global reset. And it's an opportunity for us to really evaluate what we need and what we want. And really, you know, what we want out of life, what we want out of our careers, what we want out of our relationships, and what we really need and getting rid of all the extra stuff. And Mm -hmm. it's really, you know, just everything from seeing the canals in Venice with the dolphins to the fresh air over Shanghai, all of these things are helping us really see the impact that we've had with living in the society where there's just more, 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 more. And I think that's a lesson to be learned even on a smaller scale when we think about, you know, what kinds of tools or what kinds of things we're using in order to do our work that we often, you know, get so focused on being busy and like just doing more, 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 more. When sometimes if you just focus on the things that are really adding value for you, adding value for your customers, adding value for your community, then you can be more purpose-driven and you can be more purposeful in the way that you engage. I think, you know, one of the things you mentioned there of continuing to create content and being positive, I think there's two sides to that. Yes, to continue creating content that's positive is awesome and it's something we all need, but also being mindful about not just sending things to send things because where you know it's it's like spam basically you know there, there's a lot of people that have not readjusted for example they're you know they may have some automated messaging that goes out for their brand or newsletters and things like that that really aren't relevant and are just noise and yeah. i think it's important to just stop for a moment and be really conscious about what kind of communication you're delivering where is it you know is it really purposeful is it adding value is it really connecting? And if it's not, turn it off. Just turn mm-hmm. it off. And it's pretty obvious when it is something that's automated right now because it is just noise. I think that's something we should all be mindful of. Yeah. Don't mean to beat a dead horse with that one, but. I think too, this is the time when, I mean, I've posted something about this too to my audience. It's like, In times like these, you really realize how many things we take for granted and what we can be grateful for, because even the little things that we didn't realize were so important to us, just like shaking strangers' hands when you meet them. You can't do that. Like hugging your family member, you can't really do that. You know, like going out to restaurants to eat, you can't do that. Being six feet away from people, it's like, it's crazy. So It can be really easy to overlook everything that we have, especially in situations like this. But it's also another way to really think about what we have. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm hoping this is going to be gone soon. And then I think that it just makes us more aware of really how lucky we are Mm -hmm. to be living in the time that we're living in and to do what we can, even the simple stuff. Like I said, just shaking people's hands, you know, and seeing your your friends and family laughing with them in real life, like in person is such a huge thing that we take for granted most of the time. So 
you know, I, I think about it like that. It's like, now I'm like, I'm so appreciative of like all of my friends and family. Like, I want to see you guys and hug you. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely a crazy time, but it makes you become more self like reflective of how you live your life. Absolutely. And I thought it was interesting. I saw some post about how namaste was becoming the most used greeting because it, there's no contact, but it's, yeah. you know, it's basically just saying, you know, I, I honor you and it's a beautiful thing because it's, we have to take what we have and share it in whatever way we can. And part of that is just recognizing and being grateful for those connections, grateful for the community that we have around us and how they support us. One of the things you touched on it a little bit with family and peace, I think one of the challenges people have in terms of as nomads is keeping connection and keeping that authentic connection. What are some of the things that you do that, I mean, you're, you're doing back and forth between New York and Florida, so maybe it's not as much. You probably have a community in each space, but I'm sure given the nature of what you talk about and where you go, you probably have, for example, your tribe is probably very widespread. What are some of the things that you do in order to really keep the integrity of that connection and that it feels like it feeds your soul as well? What I really love doing is I'm making sure that I keep up with all of my friends specifically because in my industry, in the travel industry, I have very close friends who live far away from me or they're traveling a lot. And it's really important for me to just make sure they're, you know, how they are. I usually message them. I use WhatsApp and I do messages with them. We talk pretty much almost every single day. Sometimes I don't see them for years. And then when we see each other, it's like nothing changed. You know, it's funny when we were at the New Media Summit, one of my close friends was there just for the night. She actually came to visit me just for the night. She lives in London and we ate dinner. We hadn't seen each other for four years and it was just like nothing, you know, like nothing happened. There was no distance. So it's just making sure that I'm constantly there for them. They're there for me. Like I'm in communication with them, even if it's not video, like we text each other all the time and really just to keep that connection because those are the types of relationships that I really love and I really want to keep in my life. And as I get older, my network becomes smaller and it becomes so sacred to me the type of relationships that I keep, like, I don't need a million friends, like I just need a handful who are really I'm dedicated and loyal to and vice versa. And I think when you're traveling so much, and your friends are also traveling so much, it becomes even more important because of that. Because when you're in a place for only a few weeks or a few months, you don't usually have a lot of time to make that connection. And when you do, you want to keep it like really, really tight and hold it tight. It's so true. And I mean, I had a very similar experience recently when I was passing through Barcelona and I reconnected with a friend I had not seen for 35 years. And I tell you, it's no different than your friend that you hadn't seen for four years. I mean, we went right back into it and it was so wonderful. And this is, you know, an old friend that was sort of in my peak mischief years of, you know, 15, whatever, sort of the obnoxious teenager. It was so wonderful. And it's those kinds of friendships that I am just so thankful for social media because I would never have been able to, I would never have known that she was in Barcelona at the same time had it not been for social media. 
And I was able to connect with her there. And I mean, it was, you know, via other friends. She's not even on social media. <laughs> but it was through another friend that said, oh, you're going to be in Barcelona. You know, Soli's there. You know, it's that kind of thing. But it's those beautiful connections. It doesn't have to be a lot of people. It's just that quality, that beautiful quality connection. And I think it's really important to recognize when those beautiful souls do pass through our lives, that time doesn't make a difference. So when you say goodbye, it's never goodbye. It's always see you later. And you never yeah. never know where that later is going to be, or when, for that matter. So I want to go back a little bit because we've, you know, it's so easy to talk to you about everything because, you know, I just <laughs> we've got a very similar topic and passions and interests. But just for, for the audience purposes, because <laughs> they might be wanting to know, you know, what's going on here. But I think what's really fascinating with the digital nomad space is I, even before this whole COVID and pandemic situation, I think that there's been a, a real rise in interest, a lot of solopreneurs, a lot of people that are really more interested in being able to live where they want to live, choose where they want to live and be able to work from there. And what does that mean in terms of how they they go about and do their work? What kinds of tools are really important for them to use in order to get the work done? And what kinds of things maybe to avoid? Are there any sort of things that you have seen or come across in your interviews that have been really effective and sort of absolutely critical, like a Zoom or, or whatever it is? Yeah, so because I work remotely, I have several people who work with me. One of the things like here are a few tools like that's pretty much really helpful for me. One is Trillo. So it's a really great software or app that you can use if you have different people that you're working with. So you know what tasks are being done. You're keeping each other accountable for what's happening. Another one that I use, I'm a really big believer in checklists. I mean, it's keeping me organized every single day. I use Evernote for that. I'm sure there's other places that you can, other apps that you can use, but I love, love Evernote because you can make a checklist. You can just write things down, notes, different things, and it just keeps me going. Another thing that I do is the Pomodoro method. It's not a app necessarily. It's mm -hmm. just a technique to kind of make sure that you're keeping yourself motivated and you're keeping yourself going in terms of working. And yeah, and then I use things like Canva, Google, Google Sheets, Google Docs, all of those things are really helpful. I mean, everybody, a lot of people uses those. So they're just very basic stuff. I'm not very techy or high tech with that stuff. I just need simple. I don't need anything complicated. Let me see. For podcasting, I use Zencaster. If that doesn't work, I use Zoom. What else? Yeah, there's so many things, but I tried to just keep it minimal because the more you keep adding to stuff, the more, for me at least, I get really confused. So the simple, the better for me. And uh, to that extent, sort of, when do you recommend for people to start thinking about, you know, building your team around, for example, having a VA, for those of you who aren't familiar with the term, it's a virtual assistant, and it's actually a great job as a remote worker for, for some people. But, you know, sort of when is that tipping point of get some extra help? So for me, the reason why I started getting a VA is when I started to actually create income and making profit in my business. So unless you have a lot of money in the bank or, you know, it's just it doesn't matter to you, it does take money to hire these people. So 
I typically don't recommend people spending money before they're creating income from their business unless you have a budget for that. If you do, that's great. You should definitely do it, but do it smartly. For me, what I typically like to do is learn the skills first. I don't necessarily need to be an expert, but I want to make sure that I know what they're doing so that I know how to interview them. I know if they're doing the job correctly and God forbid they leave right away. If I have to do it, I know how to do it. So it's just like a backup plan for me because it does take a little bit of time to find someone else. And really that's it. And then I created a system for myself where how I knew how to interview people because that's another thing that you really have. So it's like a process and Mm -hmm. you really want to make sure that you're doing it correctly. Otherwise, I hear this a lot from people. It's like this person didn't work out. That person didn't work out. But honestly, that's just like a learning curve. And you again, you just have to be patient because you also need to learn how to interview, how to interact with the people working for you, how to train them. So it's definitely overwhelming in the beginning. But once you have a system, it's so easy once you have it. Those are great tips. And I would add to that just sort of one cautionary note that I've had the experience with when I hired an assistant. I learned the hard way to create a separate folder for things that they have access to to do the work on. I had one that actually he deleted a whole bunch of my files from Dropbox. Yeah, totally disastrous. But anyway, lesson learned. Always create a separate folder that they have access to yeah, so you don't have, have yeah, and a backup so they don't have access to your main files. But I think absolutely uh, the the interview process and really knowing sort of the basic guidelines, knowing what I mean, I think, you know, virtually or non-virtually, for example, if you're hiring an accountant, if you don't know about your profit and loss and understanding what your, you know, what's going on with your money, you know, handing it over to somebody else is a high risk. You need to mm-hmm. at least have a basic understanding of what's going on in every area, sort of, you know, what and understand sort of what the budget is so that they don't just, you know, go running off with a credit card and and, and it may not necessarily be with malintention. It, maybe they just don't know. They're like, oh, well, you need this. You need this. You need this. It's like, well, wait a minute. I already have all of that. <laughs> so there's definitely a cautionary note with it. But at the same time, I think those are some really, really important points that you make about, you know, getting help, you know, once you've got some income coming in to justify it. But I think often people will sort of jump right in and, and make all these major investments. and then. The other thing is that they sign up for things that are perpetual. They keep on, you know, you get all these bills. And you're like, when did I sign up for that? Yeah. Well, I didn't know that I had a virtual assistant over there. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yeah, no, great, great tips. And so my last question that this is sort of a carryover from my old show, because uh, I, uh, for those of you who know me from Evolving Digital Self, my background is working with digital well-being. And so it's very important for me the carryover and crossover piece that's so critical with global nomads, digital nomads, as well as evolving digital self is how do you take care of yourself and make sure that you're being good to yourself and well-being? You did mention a little bit about taking breaks and the Pomodoro method. and But what are some of the things that you may do that are self-care in this digital age? Because it's important for us not to get caught up in the sitting disease, as some call it and just uh, making sure you're getting time for you. Yeah, so I do a few things. One is I do a lot of like self-care stuff, like 
I buy like skincare products to make me feel better. I do like masks and stuff. So that makes me feel good. My fiance and I really love to do hikes. So we try to, when the weather is nice, go on hikes every weekend. And that's really helpful because honestly, we don't use our phone. It's just us. We're connected with each other and we get to talk to each other. And it's really, you know, especially in this digital age, it's very easy to just tune out your partner or your family and friends when you have, you know, your cell phone next to you. So we kind of try to make sure that we have that time that there's nothing else between us and we got to connect in that sense. I also love seeing my family at least once a week. Like I don't work during that time. I'm really connected to them. There's nothing on, you know, I'm just there with them. And then with my friends, like I said, the ones that I do, I can see in person. I try to schedule like a dinner or a lunch with them and connect with them. So it's just, I'm a very like social person and I love the the small community that I have built for myself. So whenever I feel down because it's being an entrepreneur, honestly, every day is like up and down. One day you feel like you're on top of the world. And then the next day you're so depressed, you literally don't want to leave the covers under your bed. So having people that really, even if they're not in your niche, like they just know you and you can talk to them about something else, they can get your mind off of it. And also connecting with nature is super, super important for me. That's really helped me get through a lot of tough times. That's awesome. And I I think all great points and funny little tip that I can add to your skincare thing is when I'm stuck inside in the winter, I often use moisturizer that's actually sun cream that's got like a coconut, it's like Hawaiian tropic, because just the smell of it makes me think of summer. Oh, yeah. And it, it's actually somehow my brain just goes, Oh, okay, I'm happy now. I'm like thinking beach. And it's just a silly little thing. But it's I just use that as moisturizer. And all of a sudden, my brain is signaled like, Oh, well, we're going to the beach feels good. Yeah. <laughs> love the smell of coconut too. So I'm definitely going to try that. Yeah, it it works. It works. Oh, it's been such a treat having you on the show today. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Look forward to, oh, I want to send folks to your show because they should be listening to your show too. How do they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find all different resources on how to find remote work, other resources on online jobs, and also my podcast there. Uh, You can go to theoffbeatlife.com and you'll find all of my socials there as well. If you want to go on Instagram, I'm at theoffbeatlife.com. If there's any of your listeners who want to know more about how to start their podcast, you can also go to my other website, howtocreateapodcast.com. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. Look forward to staying in touch. It's been a treat getting to know you recently. And uh Look forward to the next time that we cross paths, wherever it may be. Who knows? It might be somewhere really cool and fun. Or, you know, after this quarantine, it may just be happy to see each other locally. Anyway, (laughs) as always, a pleasure and look forward to next time. And for those of you out there, thank you for joining us for the all new Global Nomad Hacks. Make sure you take time to subscribe, rate and review and help us grow. We've just started and... Every little bit helps. Really appreciate it and look forward to sharing the next show with you. Until then, bye-bye for now.